With that holy night upon our hearts, Holy Father, one more lingering moment here, Christmas Day, with you and the Word, speak. And show us how good, how very good, the good news really is. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. On this Christmas Day, I'd like to read to you the shortest Christmas story in the world. And I want to assure you that the sermon is almost as short as the story. (laughs) Open your Bible, please, to the book of Romans. If you've lived around here, you know that this book has been the grist for our worship the first half of this school year. Visitors, we've been going back over and over again to the book of Romans, but there is one line we intentionally skipped over that we might return to it on Christmas Day. Romans chapter 1, just a single line, the shortest Christmas story in the whole wide world. Let's just get a run into that one line. So we'll pick it up in verse 1, Romans chapter 1, verse 1. I'm in the New King James Version. If you didn't come with a Bible, it's the one right in front of you. Page 757, if you'd like to read along, the shortest Christmas story in the world. Paul, a bondservant, a slave, that's the actual Greek. Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated, set apart to the gospel of God, which, verse 2, he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And now, this gospel, verse 3, here it comes, concerning... His son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh. Did you catch it? In case you missed it, let me put it on the screen for you. The shortest Christmas story in the world. Let's go down to that summation. The very next slide will do it right there. There it is. The very next slide. The shortest Christmas story in the world. There it is. Jesus Christ, our Lord, was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. Now, David, that would be the giant slaying, psalm singing, wife stealing David. Same David. I don't know if you are personally related to an adulterer. Maybe your spouse. Maybe your parent. Maybe your child. Could be your sibling. But when you are related to an adulterer, people wonder, maybe you too. It's in your genes. Jesus was related to an adulterer. It was in his genes through his mother who, like his stepfather, was of the house and the lineage of David. And as the shortest Christmas story in the whole world reads, Jesus Christ, our Lord, was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. And by the way, according to the history books, we all have been born according to the flesh. Have you noticed? A very weak and troublesome flesh, by the way, that gets the whole lot of us into a whole lot of moral and spiritual trouble. Which, by the way, is why the pundits on the left. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? They've been getting a little bit of perverse pleasure out of noting the statistics for who's watching Desperate Housewives. You've heard of Desperate Housewives? I hope you haven't watched it. 
But Newsweek magazine carried it as a cover story, so I know a little bit about that program. ABC Television's immoral best to offer the nation for entertainment. Okay? So the pundits on the left have been getting a bit of gleeful pleasure in noting that the most watching states in America of desperate housewives are the red states. If you can remember back to the recent election a few weeks ago, those would be the states that re-elected the president. And they are saying evangelical Christians. Isn't that something? Evangelical Christians, the highest viewers of desperate housewives. Apparently, we've all been born just like Jesus and David, according to the flesh. How does the shortest Christmas story on earth go? Jesus Christ, our Lord, was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, which is why, by the way, they called him the son of David. And which is why also in the Gospel of St. Matthew, when Jesus' personal genealogy is recounted all the way back through David, Matthew inserts the wife of David through which the lineage of Jesus might be traced. Only he doesn't call her the wife of David. He calls her the wife of Uriah. Uriah would be that pagan warrior that was killed by direct command of King David himself so he could have Uriah's wife Bathsheba. Tell you what, Matthew 1 makes for some intriguing Christmas Day reading if you want to just read the genealogy. For there in that all-male list of progenitors, Matthew intentionally inserts four women. Three out of the four are known for their sexual peccadilloes. And the king who ran off with one of them who wasn't even his wife was the adulterer King David, progenitor, forefather of the coming Messiah, who would be called the son of David. The world's shortest Christmas story. How does it go? Jesus Christ, our Lord, was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. But, hold on now. However, according to the gospel... That is precisely the good news that Christmas comes to celebrate. Hallelujah. He was born according to the flesh. David's flesh and your flesh and my flesh. Which being interpreted means that the Lord laid on that tiny little babe of Bethlehem in the manger. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's how the Irish poet William Yeats described the Christmas mystery. How did he put it? Put it on the screen for you. He called it that uncontrollable mystery of the bestial floor. Lying on the bestial floor of that Bethlehem stable was the manger that cradled the flesh of God become man. Fallen man and fallen woman. The uncontrollable mystery of the incarnation. Which in Latin, by the way, incarnation means in flesh meant. Carnal, you've heard of carnal? Carnal? Carnal means flesh. Incarnation, the enfleshment. God became our flesh. Which is the uncontrollable mystery that Paul is exclaiming in Romans. And by the way, not only in Romans chapter 1 verse 3, but also in Romans chapter 8 verse 3. You need to take a look at Romans 8 verse 3. Romans 8 verse 3. 
for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please lock together those two lines from the Epistle to Romans. Let's put them both on the screen. They are the glorious glory of the Gospel. Put them together. Jesus Christ our Lord was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, for God sent His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. The sinful flesh of David and you and me. Jesus was born of our seed. And by the way, the Greek word for seed is sperma. A rather earthy word giving the sex, given the sexual escapades that lace the Christian genealogy, wouldn't you say? Born of the sperm of an adulterer. Why? That's the question. Why? I mean, couldn't Christ have been a little bit more prudent and careful about picking his own lineage? After all, as far as we know, no other infant in the history of time has had the luxury of picking out his own family tree before he was born. Huh? Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Would you have picked out your parents before you were born? And for all of you who are tempted to say you wouldn't have, let me remind you, if you wouldn't have, you wouldn't be. Be glad you did. Yeah. Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ, picked his own parents, if I understand Scripture correctly, his family tree. So why did he pick to become the seed of an adulterer? Could it be? Could it be? That from his very first squalling breath of life, God wanted to be brutally clear that Emmanuel was not only truly God, vere Deus, but he was also truly us, vere homo. The truly God who is with the truly us, fallen, failing us. Could it be that God intentionally planned the Christmas genealogy and the Christmas story to make certain there would be enough hope for the adulterer in all of us? Ladies and gentlemen, it's called the gospel. The unrelenting announcement that God became one of us. So that when He died, all of our sinful us died too with Him. How did 2 Corinthians 5 put it? One died for all, and all died in one. So that by His death, we who have had no hope of life might yet live by believing in Him. So here's the Christmas Day question for you. Do you believe in Him? Enough, enough to trust Him with your adulterous past. Enough to trust Him with the past of every adulterer you know. Your besetting sin was in his family tree, and so was mine. He's a savior from all sin. He's a savior of all sinners. And I say, Hallelujah. What do you say? Amen. T.S. Eliot, in his The Dry Salvages, described the Christmas gospel this way. I put it on the screen for you. The hint 
half-guessed, the gift half-understood is incarnation. But ladies and gentlemen, on this Christmas day, even half-guessed and half-understood is wholly appropriate for the fallen heart like yours and mine that believes, that chooses to believe once again this day.